0: Hello, Giles here, and knowing that we have a family audience and the purple people often include some very young people, just to say that today's episode does include some language that some people may find uncomfortable or offensive. Welcome to Something Rhymes with Purple, live from London's Fortune Theatre.
1: Wow. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Joining us. This is the start of our tour. Uh, we'll have a monthly residency, won't we, Jazz, in this very theatre until next February. But we're also off to Oxford. Can't wait for that. That's my hometown.
0: We're going to be at the Oxford Playhouse, which is a theatre I know well, because in the 1970s, I was the artistic director of the Oxford Theatre Festival. Are you? And I'll be telling you lots of name dropping stories of stars. <laughs> of stage and screen who appeared there in the 1970s when I was running it. We are today in the Fortune Theater in Covent Garden in the West End of London. Do you know much about the
1: Fortune Theatre? No, no, I want you to tell me all about it. Well, I'll tell you a little bit about it.
0: It's one of London's smallest theatres. It's beautiful. It's sort of built in the italian style. It was built in the 1920s. On this ground, I mean, we're, we're very close. This is the heart of Theatreland, it's Covent Garden. A stone's throw from here is the Theatre Royal Drury Lane, a magnificent theatre, one of the largest theatres in London. That uh, was w- the
1: home of stealing someone's thunder. Remember that? Yeah,
0: I do remind people yes. of that expression.
1: 1709, February the 5th. Shall I tell the story? No, you
0: tell the story. Okay.
1: There was a playwright critic called John Dennis who had written a play that by all accounts was very turgid. It was called Appius in Virginia and had nothing going for it except uh, a thunder-making machine, or at least a machine that replicated the sound of thunder. And despite having this going for it, it it closed after a very short run. He very happily went along to the next uh, performance, which was the Scottish play. He was sitting in the audience apparently very much enjoying it when from the stage he heard booming the sound of his very own thunder making machine. And he stood up and said, and We have two contemporaries who wrote accounts of this afterwards. He stood up and said, Damn them, they will not let my play run, but they steal my thunder.
0: So there you so are. Great. You are, yeah, exactly. Worth a round of applause. So we, this is where language is made, where theatre is made this part of the world. We are in the heart of London, and we thought that we would have a uh, sort of London theme, didn't we?
1: Yes, we did, and we chose this actually before, obviously, Her Majesty the Queen died, and bells, bells were very, very much part of the whole period of mourning, really, um, weren't they? So we chose this theme before, but I think it's got even more resonance now. Good. Uh, so if the sound is working, I think we have some big... Yes. Q. Q. (laughs) Just one. Uh, Okay. Now you went to the funeral, didn't you?
0: I was in attendance on the funeral. Yes. I was at Westminster Abbey for the funeral. You
1: were. Didn't Big Ben ring out 96 times?
0: They did. Yeah. They, the, the bell tolled 96 times yeah, to mark... Yeah, each year of her life. Yeah, so for moving, so,
1: yeah.
0: so impressive. Well, yeah. Now tell, tell so, me, do you know a lot about Big Ben? I mean, can you answer the question, is it the name of the bell or the name of the tower? Um, you know the answer. What is it? Well,
1: it's the bell not the name of the tower. And the tower was uh, originally called the Clock Tower, St. Stephen's Tower, but then it was renamed the Elizabeth Tower, I think in 2012, um, to mark the Queen's Diamond Jubilee. Yes, it was. Yeah.
0: And I have actually been up the tower because I was, as some of you may know, in the 1990s, I was a member of parliament. I was a member of parliament, in fact, until the people spoke. <laughs> the... <laughs>
1: And I always remind Giles of a quote that made it into the Oxford Dictionary of Humorous Quotations or just the Oxford Dictionary of Quotations, which is Giles is an MP saying, Happiness is the sight of your constituency in the rearview mirror.
0: Do <laughs> 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 you remember that? The, tr- the truth is, uh, by the time I lost my seat five years later, by then I knew <laughs> I had contempt for my constituents. But, It came as a bit of a shock to the system to find the feeling was entirely mutual. (laughs) And it did not help that my darling wife put our house in the constituency up for sale (laughs) during the election campaign. (laughs) She's here in the audience today and she will remember that uh, in 1997, you know, on every other house in the street it said, vote Brandreth, vote Brandreth, vote Brandreth. (laughs) On our house it said, for sale. I said to her, Michelle, this is not sending out quite the right signal. She said, darling, the signal is immaterial. These people really don't like you. Um, and so it proved. But when I was an MP, I did, and I'm not very good at heights, uh, but it's all enclosed. I climbed up the St. Stephen's Tower, as it then was, yeah. before it became the Elizabeth Tower. Uh, and it's, it's pretty ha- tall, and then you get, then you get to the clock and the, and the bell, and it's the bell that's called Big it's Ben. It's the
1: bell that's called Ben. Now, do you know why it's called Ben? No, I don't. Okay.
0: Big Bad Ben, I don't.
1: Well, two theories. I think one of them less likely than the other. One is that it is named after a bare-knuckle boxer from the 19th century whose nickname was Big Ben. He was called Ben Caunt say that very carefully, C-A-U-N-T. So that's one theory. The second theory, which is much more likely, is that it was named after Sir Benjamin Hall. And he was a civil engineer, served in the House of Commons for more than 30 years. But crucially, he saw the rebuilding of Westminster, essentially following a fire in the 19th century. So I think more, much more likely to be him. And there's a Times of London report from October the 22nd, 1856, which adds a bit of weight to that theory. It says, all bells, we believe, are christened before they begin to toll. And on this occasion, it's proposed to call our King of Bells, Big Ben, in honor of Sir Benjamin Hall, etc. Very good. So it's interesting that, isn't it? Because we, we name cannons and sort of machines of war. Ah. Uh, we give them sort of quite euphemistic nicknames. So Sometimes female t- ones,
0: Big Bertha. Big Bertha. What was she?
1: Big Bess. I can't remember who Big Bertha was. Oh. She was siege
0: Kind of. Yeah, Big Bess was. was uh, Big Bess as
1: well.
0: Well, so we're going to talk about bells. Ding dong! Ah, now, ding dong, talk about the dictionary of quotations. I hope that is credited to Leslie Phillips, um, one of my oh, favourite actors. Yes. Ding dong! For me, if I'm feeling low, not that I ever do feel, if I feel really low, I look at my screensaver, then I see the picture of Susie. My morale is boosted immediately. Um, <laughs> but if I feel low and I want some comfort viewing, if it's a film that has in the cast either Terry Thomas, Ian Carmichael, or Leslie Phillips, I know I'm in for a good time. Okay. And I feel ding dong.
1: Didn't you say things like ding, ding dong? Ding dong. Oh, that's more like yes, it. Ding it.
0: dong. Yes, lovely yes. man. And
1: do you remember the rule that means it's ding dong and not dong ding?
0: Yes, you often tell me about this. It's something to do with the the euphonics, the way it sounds. Yes, exactly. Now, so what is the rule called?
1: The rule, the rule is beautifully called the rule of ablaut reduplication. Ablaut.
0: reduplication. 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 And
1: it's all about sound, but it's one of the... We have no rules in English, do we, really? I like to constitution. We Doesn't make work.
0: it up as we go along.
1: Yes, and, we do. Hope for the best. We do, but this is a kind of unwritten law that we know about the sound, so we don't wear flop flips or e-cat kits or dally dilly and shally shilly. Very good. And play pomping, which I love. To <laughs> uh, okay, <laughs> so okay. should we... Should well, I we call do it weff
0: with? Know, oh, it's yes. actually with whiff isn't, yeah. isn't
1: it? Yeah, I remember. So let's, let's explore,
0: if we may, words to do with bells. Okay. Can we start with the word bell?
1: Yes, you can. Where does that come from? <laughs> <laughs> uh, bell is, uh, well, it's, it's Old English and it has lots and lots of different roots and, and what we call cognates in lots of different languages. But I think, ultimately, we don't know, unlike cloche, and cloak and clock, etc., which are all to do with the, the shape of a bell, uh, we don't quite know where bell itself began. Like a very ancient route. Ah,
0: and it's nothing to do with beauty. The beautiful sound of the oh. bell, bell. bell in...
1: No, no. That's a nice idea though. Yeah.
0: Ding dong bell, pusses in the well. Who put her in? (laughs) Yeah, anyway, send for the RSPCA. Okay, so the bell chimes, ask not for whom the bell tolls, it tolls for thee. So toll and chime, give me those two. Toll, can you tell me a toll?
1: Yes, so toll is simply German again, so it always reminds us that we are a Germanic language at heart, even though we've got so many words from Normans and uh, hence from Latin and also Greek, but yes, it's a Germanic Germanic word. Chime is related to symbol, in fact, which is quite nice. And that, Explain ul- that. ultimately Explain. goes back to the Greek uh, for a cup because of the shape. So the shape of a symbol is a little bit like a sort of broad cup. And chime, that ch sound is behind it as well because the original Greek also had that ch sound. The Very chime good. bell.
0: So the bells, you find the bells in the belfry. Mm-hmm. So what would the origin of that be? We don't know the origin of bell, but free?
1: Mm. Yeah, well, actually, we changed this to make it match with bell, but it didn't start out that way. It started oh. out with um, Bergfried, which was a Germanic word meaning a place of shelter. So the very first meaning of Belfry was a, a wooden tower or a fortification, really. And then in its simplest form, it was like a sort of penthouse or a shed you know, like a sort of appendage, really. But it
0: didn't, belfries didn't have bells in originally.
1: No, they didn't. So they were to give shelter during sieges and things, and so there were towers from that point of view. But because they often housed bells, we decided that it must be bell free not berg-free. Because we often change these foreign words because we can't pronounce them, as you know.
0: Gosh, and when did this happen?
1: Uh, this, that was sort of Middle English period, so we're talking, you know, 600 years ago also.
0: Yeah, well, that's further a go for you than it is for me. Uh, (laughs) Now, people who are interested in bell ringing are called campanologists?
1: Campanologists, yes, they are.
0: Campanology. I want to know the link between camping about, as in, you know, what Kenneth Williams might be up to, and campanology to do with bells.
1: Okay, so nothing to do with camping out. You know, that camp is part of a very prestigious family that gave us champagne, it gave us um, campus, all to do with a large area in ancient Rome where military practice would go on and athletic exercises, Campus Martius in ancient Rome as well. So any flat expanse of ground gave us campus. It also gave us champagne because that's a large expanse of rather flat land in France and it gave us camping out, like an and, encampment. And
0: campaign, a campaign that would take Campaign as place.
1: well, and champion too.
0: So they're all related to this large expanse They are brand. all
1: related to that, but not to campanologists, which simply goes back to the Latin campana, which means a bell.
0: Come on, don't rush me. Okay. Uh, the, the large space uh, being camp, if yes. you're camping about uh, in the field, ah. Is that connected? Yes.
1: So if you're being camp, that, I have a feeling, I'm going to look this one up, but I have a feeling we don't actually know.
0: And I think it dates back to Victorian times, the idea okay. of being camp, but I, it may be 1920s. It's relatively recent. What do you think?
1: i just say so campanology is from the Latin campana meaning bell. Uh, camp is an adjective, flamboyant, art, or theatrical. Yes. Especially linked to the gay community. Maybe it says the French, to assume a proud, bold, or provocative posture to strike a pose. But we don't know where that comes from. Um, two more theories yes. here. So alternative, it says, and less likely etymologies, are from the swagger and dash of military life from the military camps. Oh, on the, oh,
0: on the campaign or, trail.
1: the no, no, notorious licentiousness of camp followers. Well, Possibly, do, you, do
0: you know the play, The Recruiting Officer, by Thomas Farquhar? No. So, oh, it's a one. Wonder- well, uh, Sorry, no. You say no. it like that as if no. you're proud of your ignorance. No, I don't. You should be deeply ashamed. Any educated person should know. Uh, it's a wonderful play, and I was lucky enough to see <laughs> it when it was last done, I think, at the National Theatre which was, of course, a few years ago in the 1960s. Laurence Olivier was in it. Uh, Robert Stevens was in it. Maggie Smith was in it. And interestingly, they were very flamboyant. It's called The Recruiting Officer. It was full of... Captain Brazen is one of the characters, so-called. Captain Plume is another of the characters. The the, the play is set in the 1780s. Okay. Uh, And Farquhar, you know, was writing his pieces quite a while ago. We are talking about restoration.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so after you know, the restoration of uh, Charles II. So this is a long time ago. And clearly, this kind of camp... Beh- these were military figures. So I'm suddenly thinking... Maybe. I mean, we don't know this, but this is the joy of this programme. If you're listening around the world, or if you're a, a military person, an old field marshal... I've known it all the time. Nothing to do with those silly people on the radio. You know, uh, you know after you, Julian, and Mrs. this is me, Sandy. It's all to do with the campaigns. Uh, do write in and let us know what you think about this. Purple at com. I agree. So we've, we've learnt something there. We have learnt so something. So that's campanology. And now
1: we talked about tintinabulation, didn't we? Which I love. Tintinabulation is just the ringing of bells and it goes back to, the, so even the Romans had tintulabulare, which is, sorry, that's a bit too Italian. Tintulabulare, the tinkling of bells, which is just gorgeous.
0: And what about titanus, Is it the same?
1: Tinnitus. Tinnitus.
0: Oh, <laughs> no, 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 Mrs. No, no, titter ye not, titter ye not. No, no, no. <Resource> t- yes, titanus, t- Forget t- <laughs> <laughs> it. Tinnitus.
1: tinnitus. Tinnitus is the same that thing. A ringing in your ears.
0: It's the same thing. So yes. It's the same thing. T- yes. Tintinabulation and titanus. N- t- <laughs> but no, <laughs> yes. but interesting because it is tintinabulation, isn't it?
1: Tintinabulation. But
0: with tinnitus, there's no T. Tinnitus. Tinnitus. Not,
1: it's not tinnitus. It's tinnitus, but then tintinabulation. So I can see why you're slightly... You can see working. there's
0: a slight confusion there. You can see. I'm just trying to get myself out of out the... Of this. Out of the well. Ding-dong yes. well. What about tubular bells, actually? Thinking oh, yeah.
1: Of, made famous by Mike Oldfield. Alf, yeah. Wasn't it? Yeah. So they are... Oh, by the way,
0: met him. I've met him. <laughs> Any stories? very nice guy. Yes, but not ones that we can broadcast. (laughs) Moving swiftly on. So they're just
1: kind of vertically suspended bells, aren't they? That are tubes that are struck with a mallet. Those are tubular bells. There's the the sally. Do you know what the sally is when it comes to a bell? No. That's the fluffy bit of the rope that's covered in wool, you know, that that you pull.
0: Have you ever done bell ringing?
1: I would love to. I promise you, I'm positive I would go up with the bell if I did it.
0: Well, that's does part Does that of, ever happen? That is... Does it ever happen? It always happens, particularly when you're young. I started... Oh, bombing. that might that's, be Oh know, People regularly, you have to learn how to do it. You have to learn to let go. You pull it down and then you're supposed to let go and then catch it. If, uh, if you hang on to it, 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 it just takes go. you up again. Yeah. Um, but it's quite fun. You I know. quite like
1: that, actually. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Go.
0: Bell ringing is marvellous. So yeah. the rope, you're telling us what is that? So
1: the fluffy bit that gives you a bit of a grip. I yes, think, is that, of, that well, often is, is multicoloured, red or blue.
0: Uh, it's called a sally.
1: Sally, and I don't know if it's because you sally forth, if like me, you get pulled upwards, or if it's just because we like giving names don't we, personal names to all sorts of things.
0: Uh, what about a carillon of bells? A carillon, a carillon, carillon?
1: yeah, carillon. That's a set of bells that is kind of automatically mechanized, I think. And it's a bit like a piano roll.
0: There's no saying, I think. I'm the one asking you, is it or okay. is it not?
1: <laughs> what I, is a carillon? I, do know where, I, I know, I know where the word it was, comes from. I thought I don't you know you'd, I've you'd ever listened to a
0: carillon of bells when it's a kind of bell ringing. Yeah. The, the, the whole programme is known as a carillon, but maybe not. I
1: think it's a peal of four bells ah. that played on this equivalent of a piano roll. I haven't actually seen one, but it comes. It's at its heart is the Latin cat or four because it's four bells. Remind me, when we come back after the break, because you just reminded me of something um, about Swiss cowbells. Oh, I want to know about Swiss
0: cowbells. But do you ever get annoyed by bells? Because where we live, my wife and I and our children, we live in West London, and we live in a village called Barnes, and we have a lovely church, St Mary's, where there are brilliant bell ringers. But I do know that there are people who live closer to the church than we do, who sometimes find the bells a bit infuriating when a wedding is about to happen and they're practicing. Do you ever find, do they ever no. know you?
1: School school bells, definitely, but not church bells. I love them.
0: Can I give us one more bell word before we take our break? Yes. Clap up. Is there not a word oh, like there the clappers? Is. Yeah,
1: that is the sort of ringing, the, the thing that strikes the bell and that makes the noise. The, the so thing inside is the clapper. Go like the clappers.
0: It's not the metal bit, and the ball, is it the whole thing? just a thing? little
1: bit in the ball. And the, the ball, the, that
0: is called a clapper.
1: That's the clapper. And we go like the clappers because we're going like that.
0: We go so like the someone, clappers.
1: Like you talks fast and a lot. Uh, <laughs> you go like the clappers. You go like the clappers.
0: Can I say I've hardly breathed a word?
1: <laughs>
0: but the time has gone like the clappers. It means it's now time for our break. I think it is time for our
1: break. We will be back.
0: Well, look, this is Something Rhymes with Purple. We're at the Fortune Theatre in London's Covent Garden, and we're talking about bells. We've been in the world of tintinabulation, campanology, yeah. and we're going to meet some of the audience in this part of the podcast. But when we went for our break, you were going to tell me about Swiss cowbells. Swiss cowbells.
1: Oh, Swiss cowbells. oh no, it's just really interesting because I've just been. Doing a lot of study of emotions and the history of our emotions. And nostalgia was one of the ones that I looked at. And nostalgia, which was called originally mal du pays, the sickness of the country or country sickness, was diagnosed by a Swiss physician who noticed real physical effects in Swiss soldiers who would have nausea. They would have intense depression, but just headaches. Sometimes he even thought it was fatal. And he put it down to the intense jangling of Swiss cowbells. And that it had somehow sort of caused these kind of neural dysfunctions. But that this feeling that they had was caused by the longing to return home and the longing to return home to that sound. It was almost as if it was addictive. And then it was renamed Nostalgia. So nostalgia was really a big business and a pretty nasty one, originally. It's and amazing. now we just have, you know, 70s nostalgia nights, don't we? <laughs> it's kind of gone down in the world a bit. Well, you,
0: you may. My whole life is a 1950s nostalgia <laughs> night. I, I first went to Switzerland in the 1950s when I was a little boy. And my, my parents sent me, I was seven years of age, they sent me on my own to Switzerland. And uh, they couldn't stand the way I wouldn't stop talking at home, <laughs> and, and so they sent me off to Switzerland on my own. And I got out of the. It was quite easy. I went by train and got out at Zurich. But the confusion was that I could speak French. That's why they sent me. But I, my German was a bit rusty. Age seven, and so it was a bit difficult to getting across you know, to get the train to where I had to go. But eventually, I got to where I had to go, where I was met. And I was staying at this kind of holiday home for international children whose parents didn't like them very much. And uh, what I remembered most was walking down a hill one day, uh, a whole group of us, and we were made to hold hands. We didn't, you know, we were only seven years old. So we didn't sort of... And the girl on the end of the line held on to a fence uh, around a field of cows with the bells ding-donging. Which was charming, except the fence was an electric fence. <laughs> and it literally it went through all of those children, ten children away. Got little electric shocks. Yeah, amazing. When we next talk about Switzerland, I've got a long I've got a lot of stories to tell you. <laughs> okay. But I know we're supposed to be talking about bells today, so let's stick really I think see can... the point is, you mentioned Switzerland and it rings a bell. <laughs> tell me about the phrases we rings associate the cab- with it. Oh
1: yes, we've got lots of phrases. Well, yes, so we ring in the changes do we? I'll come back to rings a bell, because it has a meaning that you might not expect. So to ring in the changes, that's the kind of, vary the way in which you do something, really. And that is simply about bell ringing and the different orders in which a peal of bells may be rung. That's one of them. To ring a bell. Did you know what the very first meaning of that was in the 15th century?
0: To ring a bell?
1: Mm-hmm. To so ring th- someone's bell. Oh, something to do with the plague, possibly? No, it was to cause a person to experience orgasm.
0: Oh! That
1: is how it's defined in the dictionary in the fifteenth century. In the
0: fifteenth century, do I ring your bell, madam? Is that the idea?
1: <laughs> well, uh, yes. Uh, back to ding saying, dong. Uh, <laughs> uh, you, you, uh, uh, how do we know? Ne- ne- uh, excuse me. This is Actually, the OED.
0: Yeah, I know it's the OED. <laughs> but okay. you used to work for the OED. Justify how they can spring in the fifteenth century. From the, the phrase, ring a bell, meaning yes. having an orgasm. This
1: is from Green's early English carols. When Jack had done, though he rung the bell, all night there he made me to dwell. I'm not sure that's such a nice thing. But, okay, this is not going to go in the podcast. This is from 1593. He was, do you really want to hear this?
0: We definitely okay. do. We, he he was, it's in the interest of science.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he was pleased by her with wagging his bauble and ringing his bell well, she picked his pocket and cut his purse, so she obviously was up to no good. This is not good. A pretty slight of a slattering slut.
0: Well, it's got some alliteration. Yes. I, I still, I can see that it's got connotations, ring his bell and all that. Yeah. I don't actually think that, that you can say it definitely means having an orgasm. Not
1: now, but it did in the 15th century. But drawn from those two examples. No, there's lots of them, but I won't, you know. Um, <laughs> If we wanted
0: to consult the Oxford English Dictionary, is it available for sale? I mean, how could I get into that?
1: And now you're interested. Yeah. Um, it is, uh, yeah, you can get a subscription. You can go to any public library and you can go and have a look. So sure. that's where you'll be going now.
0: I, well, no, because I want to find out more. Um, okay. And what about Saved by the Bell? That's when you okay. achieved the orgasm so and you felt, it- I've got away with it. <laughs>
1: Just to keep with bell ring, to ring a bell to awaken a memory, that's 1933. So that, that meaning is much more recent. And that's simply just sort of, you know, letting something resonate in your head, ringing a bell in your head. And to ring the bell was to carry off the prize. You know those strength testing machines at fairs, fun fairs, where you, yes. apparently, have you ever done one of those?
0: Have I done one? I've broken it often. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Bells so that was- was saved you by done, the bell. Saved by the bell, what's that? That's
1: a boxing reference. Uh, so if you're being uh, pummeled and the bell goes at the end of the round, you have been saved by the bell. Yeah. yeah. Um, bells and whistles?
0: Yes, it's all bells and whistles. What does that mean? I like that. To it do all... with an elaborate train or a fairground?
1: Um... Yeah, actually to do with old fairground organs that had all sorts of bells and ah. whistles attached to them. And we have Be There With Bells On. Yes, I'll be there with bells on that. that's another... Reference to
0: the bells and whistles. Oh, is it, or is it to there? I don't know, I'm picturing a court jester with those those three-cornered hats, Mm. with a little bell on the end. Could that be it? Be there with bells on? Be be there with bells on?
1: Possibly. Uh, What
0: what was the, there's a nursery rhyme again with somebody with rings on her fingers and bells on her? Oh, yes. Ride a cock horse, thank you, madam. To Um. Banbury Fair. (laughs) Yes.
1: That's about Lady Godiva, isn't it? Is that about Lady Godiva? I think it might be about Lady Godiva. Ride a cock
0: horse to Banbury Cross to see a fine lady upon Upon a fine horse horse. with rings on her fingers and bells bells on on her toes. toes, She She, shall have music wherever wherever she she goes. goes. So she had on her toes, on her shoes, do you think James? I don't know if it
1: was. I know uh, Gore Blimey comes from the story of Lady Godiva.
0: Tell us about Gore Blimey.
1: Uh, Well, it was Peeping Tom, wasn't it? So Peeping Tom was said to be voyeuristic and was it that everybody was sent to their houses as she rode naked through the town? Uh, I think, am I right in thinking it was in protest at her husband's taxation? Yeah. Tom yeah. 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 um, always the
0: man's fault, you can take that as read.
1: Of course, uh, slightly draconian taxation rules. And Tom was just, he couldn't resist so he looked, so he was the original Peeping Tom and in some versions of the story he was then blinded and so when we say gore blind me, that's a euphemism for God blind me. And it's said to look back to that story. Oh, This is why people
0: listen to the podcast, it's fantastic. So anything else?
1: This is the time I think when we throw questions open to the audience, yes. and we, we will answer anything, really, won't we?
0: Now, what happens here, if you've been listening to the podcast, and we've done about 180 episodes now if mm-hmm. you're new to it, feel free to go back and feel free to get in touch. We love people communicating with us, and we're available on social media, but you can send us an email, purple at com, And Susie does you know, research to try and make sure she comes up with the right answer. But today, because we're here live in this lovely theatre in the West End of London, um, I know it's frustrating for people who are listening to us in Sydney or Seattle, but I think we've got somebody from Seattle who is oh, here today. Maybe have. they'd like to say hello to us and talk with uh, And originally look, from <laughs> Georgia. That's fantastic. So today we thought we'd just have questions from people who are here in the audience. So if you've got a question you'd like to ask.
1: Actually, before we start, you had one for me, which I had to look up because you said, why is a man called a rake? I knew that one. But you oh said, yes, why is when that we came onto
0: the stage earlier, I realized the stage had quite a sharp rake yeah. Going down, and I said to Susie, What is the origin of the word rake? Why are men sometimes called rakes, and why is the slope on this stage known as a rake? Uh,
1: so, the rake that is here on the stage, and I didn't realize it was called that, goes back to an old English word raku, R A C U, which means a street, a steep valley or ravine. Uh-huh. So, it's all about something that's steep sided, but the rake the cad, the scoundrel, is from rake hell. And it was somebody considered so immoral that they would go and rake through the embers of hell to find what they needed. Gosh. Yeah, it's a bit grim, isn't it? Gripping,
0: actually. So you've had some, you've got some of the questions that people have. I have. And these are from people in the audience. These are from people in the audience. So you read them out. Do we want them also to speak them out or we're just gonna read them
1: out? Well, we can maybe, we can read them out and then they can identify themselves. Good. If they should so choose. This is from Nicholas from Michigan.
0: Michigan, is he in the room?
1: Yes, oh, and Nicholas says. I come from
0: Michigan, thank you so much.
1: Well, you won't. Uh, I, I would reserve no, no, your thanks. Uh, that, mm. I'd reserve your thanks because Nicholas says, What's your show about? I've been dragged here by my husband. Uh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's very funny. The, the, the show is called Something Rhymes with Purple and it's all about words and language. And it's called Something Rhymes with Purple because when we came up with the idea, of the show, I said to Susie, let's call it, well, nothing rhymes with purple, let's call it The Purple Show. And she said, something rhymes with purple. I said, really, what? And she said, herple, which means to walk with a lip. And there may be one or two other words that rhyme with purple. So that's why it's called Something Rhymes With Purple. It's about words and language. And we're very interested that you're here from Michigan. Thank you so much for coming. Even more so, thank you for staying beyond the interval.
1: <laughs> that is very true.
0: OK, on we go. Any more questions, or are we going to move on to We're your trio? We're going to
1: move on to the trio um, with definitions from our lovely audience, because you have submitted some, some gems. Oh, so
0: this is like your usual trio. You're going to give yes. us three words with it, to which there is a genuine definition. Yes. But you've challenged the audience to come up with their own versions. Yes. Fun. So
1: the first one was matterfangled. Do you remember that?
0: Matterfangled.
1: Yes.
0: And how do you spell that? Matter. Oh, at M-A-T-T-E-R. Yes. Fang, matter fangled. I thought initially it was going to be something to do with um, uh, bullfighting, you know. When the uh, poor matador oh, no. ends up on the ground, he's been matter fangled. Not
1: the poor matador. Poor bull is where I was going with that one. Right, okay, so we have... a lot of people are saying confusion. Yeah. Is that where you would go with that, I would. Matterfangled, okay. yeah. Yeah, so we have the matter with fangs. We have um, Juan's crazy decision to leave Chelsea. Ah. I love that one. Is it Juan or Juan? Juan Mata. Uh, We have, to make someone believe a false definition of a word that has been maliciously advertised as the truth, e.g. Giles Brandreth was mata and a strictly come dancing themed dance based on the periodic table. I love that one. Very, clever. That's very good. Um, That was from Joan, very good. We have also, Stuart from London, mata is when you get a bit stuck between your teeth. Graham in Blackheath, the dentist has messed up mum's dentures again.
0: <laughs>
1: and Sue from Germany, when you've tripped over a rumpled carpet. I love that one. Uh, oh, that very is good. very good. And a wrangled atom says, who was that? That was Mary. And Ari says, a vampire physicist.
0: <laughs> uh, so
1: I've read out lots of them there. How should we decide this, child? Should we do... Now,
0: What was your favourite?
1: Well, I... Quite, I'm, I don't know, I like the Strictly dance. Ah, uh,
0: we like the Strictly, the Strictly, I is was that. Is sure. Does anyone yeah,
1: like that, that one? Yeah. Okay. Let's go with that one.
0: Seven! <laughs> we give it to that one. What, what's that? Who's that? Yeah,
1: so this is Joan Caroline King from Wellington, Kent. Well done. And she get a prize. She gets a tote bag.
0: A tote bag, whatever a that t-shirt. may be. <laughs> <Woo>! oh,
1: <Exactly. laughs>
0: Christmas is coming, yay! Okay. Next word.
1: Rack-ups.
0: Rack-ups, how do you spell it?
1: R-A-C-K-U-P-S. R-A-C-K. Oh, I didn't tell you what Matter. Oh, yes, really what does mean? Ma- <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yes. What It does ma- means
1: to have got into a muddle while you're talking.
0: Oh, yeah. Matter. Fangled. Matter,
1: I got really matterfangled yesterday. Yes. OK, so your rack-ups. Well, anyone's rack-ups.
0: Rack-ups. Yes. I have no idea. Rack-ups. Give us some of the definitions that the audience here
1: OK. Offered. So we have a structure similar to a bra. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> um, and Adam from Walthamstow. I'm not sure I'm going to say thank you to this one, Adam. It's when you hiccup and there's a little bit of sick. <laughs> um, raccoon hiccups. Mm. Oh, I like that one. Uh, people's irritation with others' luggage on a plane. Uh, oh, I think
0: that's actually very clever. Yes, because are even a fight that develops as a result of it. Now, I put my bag there first. You're, <laughs> you're sitting over there. Why have you put your thing here? I like yes, that. Rackups.
1: Exactly. Explain this one to me. This is from Mark Michael Gove's exercise regime.
0: Yeah, move on.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs>
0: if you don't know what a bell end is, you're not going to go there.
1: <laughs> um, and we have lots of hiccuppy-type things. A new storage system for frozen barbecue ribs. And that's quite
0: cent- That's quite that clever, is... actually. Rack up. See a rack of lamb. You, yeah, I quite like that.
1: Uninterrupted supply of. Uh, oh, I like this one. A duck's hiccups.
0: Oh, Wack as up. opposed to quack up.
1: Yes, quack Rack up. up. Oh. yes. So, what do you think?
0: What do you? think? What, do you, what, do, what did we think? Yeah, the the I, I think we did. I thought that was clever because we've all been in that situation.
1: I agree, and I think, if I'm right, that is from Penelope in Wiltshire. Penelope well in
0: Wiltshire. Another take bear coming your way. Have you got a third one?
1: Yes, a third one, Giles. Oh, did you
0: tell us what the real definition was?
1: Oh, no. Rack-ups are your just desserts.
0: Oh, what you have racked up in life. Your just desserts, your rack-ups. Yes. Ooh.
1: Nothing Uh, to do with the desserts that you eat, the sweet puddings, obviously. No,
0: but your just desserts, your your rack-ups.
1: Okay, Giles, what is a quanker?
0: A a quanker? (laughs) A disgusting duck. Uh, I don't know. Haughties yes, are...
1: lots of, lots of duck ones. A particularly haughty duck. Oh gosh, I can't read some of these. Uh, oh, no, it's, um,
0: a, it's a family show, goes global.
1: Yes, uh, a smug, irritating duck. Uh, someone, okay, no, I can't do that one. Um, and how is it spelled? Quank? Yeah.
0: Uh. uh. <laughs> ah, okay, that's
1: it. I wouldn't like to say, but anyway, there are four of them. Quaker with a disagreeable temperament.
0: That's quite clever.
1: Um, we also have masturbation with cheese savouries. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and a creek. Quique- Creaky door, Mike, from Essex. Oh, (laughs) marvellous,
0: oh dear. I'm I'm completely cream-crackered, but the bell is about to toll. Yes, go on.
1: Well, that's it, I'm gonna gonna leave them as that. So, anybody got any favourites?
0: Well, I I, I don't don't think we'd admit to it if we did. (laughs) Uh, Quanker. A quanker. You choose one.
1: A banker who had to retrain in psychology during recession. Sorry. Okay. um, Well,
0: that's quite clever, actually. A banker who had to retrain, you know, because we know that, uh, you know, a a duck, when it has a breakdown, quacks up. And this is what happens to a banker. Yes. quite like that.
1: Okay, so are we going to go with masturbation with quavers, or are we going to go for a small irritating Oh, I see. Masturbation with quavers. It's a portmanteau.
0: Oh, as a portmanteau word. I think that gets it, doesn't it? Do you think... Yeah. Okay. Do uh, you know? Now we've put the idea into the public domain. I bet you, within a year, Channel Four <laughs> will have it as a show. <laughs> and you and I will be asked to appear on Celebrity Crankers.
1: <laughs> Am I right in thinking that came from Michael in Enfield? Michael in
0: Enfield, you're going to own yes.
1: up. Yes. <laughs> Are you adding up to that? Well done, Mike.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, Hilarious. Did you give us what the real definition was? Oh, I'm so was? sorry,
1: I never do this. You're, okay. you're so, you're so, so
0: matter fangled today, you're I, um, forgetting where you are.
1: I like this one. So, a quanker <laughs> is somebody who settles a dispute.
0: Oh, I think that's very good. A yes. quanker settles a dispute.
1: Yes, very good. The opposite of what you might think.
0: Well, my poem today, I wanted to give you something that was theatrical, since we're in this beautiful Fortune Theatre here in the West End of London, a theatre that's a century old. And I picked down from my shelf one of my favourite books, Old Possum's Book of Practical Cats. Now, regular listeners will know that I was lucky enough when I was a little boy to be a server uh, at a church in London, uh, St. Stephen's in Gloucester Road. And one of the sidesmen at this church was the great T.S. Eliot. So when I was a little boy, I knew T.S. Eliot and talked to him about his poetry, not his big serious poetry, but these lovely Book of Practical Cats poems that he wrote in the 1930s for his own godchildren. And indeed, T.S. Eliot encouraged me to learn Macavity the Mystery Cat, which I think I probably performed before. Uh, This one, I'm going to just read you part of it. I can't read you the whole poem because you haven't got time. It's uh, called Gus the Theatre Cat. If you want to see this poem, performed, I think, magically. Get out on video or download it or somehow find the film Cats. It was panned, this film. I, I enjoyed it. It was a of the Andrew Lloyd Webber musical version of Cats, with Judy Dench in it, but also Ian McKellen appeared. Mm. And he performed, uh, as a song, the poem I'm about to read to you. And it was a mesmerising five minutes of cinema. I really recommend it. I'm going to give you one minute of a reading now Uh, the beginning of Gus the Theatre Cat, spoken at the Fortune Theatre by me, but the poem is by T.S. Eliot. Gus is the cat at the theatre door. His name, as I ought to have told you before, is really Asparagus. That's such a fuss to pronounce that we usually call him just Gus. His coat's very shabby, he's thin as a rake, and he suffers from palsy that makes his paw shake. Yet he was, in his youth, quite the smartest of cats, but no longer a terror to mice and to rats. For he isn't the cat that he was in his prime, though his name was quite famous, he says, in its time. And whenever he joins his friends at their club, which takes place at the back of the neighborhood pub, he loves to regale them, if someone else pays, with anecdotes drawn from his palmiest days. For he once was a star of the highest degree, he acted with Irving, he acted with Tree, and he likes to relate his success on the halls, where the gallery once gave him seven cat calls. But his grandest creation, as he loves to tell, was Far Fro Re Fiddle, the fiend of the fell. Well, thank you very much indeed. For joining us. This has been Something Rhymes with Purple.
1: It's Something Else production. It was produced by Sophie, Sophie. <laughs> Andrew, <laughs> Sam. Chris, Jen, Harriet Wells, and I'm afraid he's not here today because, let's, let's face it, he's just never around anymore. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we think of him as gully. But ladies and gentlemen, thank you for being with us, and next time, uh, meet us again, either here at the Fortune Theatre or at the Oxford Playhouse, or just by listening to the podcast wherever you find it, and keep in touch with us. It's purple at Meanwhile, thank you for being part of our Purple people today. Goodbye.